Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network wherever you are. Positively different radio in the the morning. You are with Lyle and I think you're with Minnie. Are we with Minnie this morning? Look, we're giving it a red hot go. (laughs) We're giving it a red hot go this morning. So Minnie, how many hours of sleep did you manage last night? Two, three? Yeah, for about three. About three. <laughs> <laughs> I pushed it this morning. Okay, I so mini it <laughs> radio is one of these um, high energy kind of endeavors. Yes. You know what though? I'm gonna just I'm gonna say this once. Confessional time. Okay. I um don't like people good. to see this me is, stress. This is confessional air. Which means that even when I'm like completely flat, I'm like, what do I need to do so they don't know that I'm stressed? And so not necessarily this morning, but there are many times I'll be like, Yeah, today's a great day. Now most of the time that's sincere, but some days I'm like, You will never know. <laughs> well, no, every day is a great day. It is. It's a great day to be alive. It's a great day to Absolutely. be serving Jesus, you know. Uh, what, what, There's what, always something to be thankful absolutely, for. Absolutely. Like genuinely, right. yeah. Uh-huh. What, what are you genuinely thankful for this morning? Oh, what am I genuinely? It's you know a struggle what? today, isn't it? Nah, nah. <laughs> many things, many things. But I'm actually just really thankful for people who just are willing to share things with you. As in like, like my uncle called me yesterday. He's like, hey, I went and got, I don't know where he went, but he got like a bunch of food for really cheap. So he's like, yeah, just come. And he, like, I didn't need all this food. I'll use it. Like if someone's going to give it to me, I'll use it. Why not? But it's just like, it's just lovely when people are like, hey, do you want the thing? I've got a thing. You could have the thing. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then if I meet someone, I'm like, oh, I have a thing that you could have. I have the thing. You could have the thing. It's just, it's just nice. To be able to share things. Yeah. <laughs> things are good. Is that what you got out of that story? The things? <laughs> the things. How are you feeling this morning? Oh, I'm just thank- thankful for things, you know. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> so many things. We've got things happening everywhere today. And if you've got things, then maybe you should sh- share some things today. Yes. And let us know what kind of things you can share. Give us a call, 1-800-324-843. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right. What have we got for uh, positively different news? Well, positively, in just my day, Liam just brought me a hot chocolate while while you were doing the interview, which for me was so fantastic. You were talking. No. What? You what? So- <laughs> favoritism. Favoritism in the studio. I tell you, I don't know what you like. Yeah. <laughs> so really, it's a good choice. Yeah. And also, you didn't go to sleep at three o'clock this morning. <laughs> this is true. This is very true. That just made my heart so happy. I was like, oh, you're the best. Anyways, thanks for that, Liam. But so, in other news. Oh. In other okay, news. yep. In, a- in other news. <laughs> in other news. So, Project Evergreen... Um, has been mowing lawns for frontline workers to take some of the stress out of their lives while beautifying the environment for them. So basically Project Evergreen is connected to a couple of businesses in the US. Um, It's not-for-profit and is fueled entirely by volunteers who have showed up at homes of essential workers through the pandemic this year. So basically they've gone, you guys are already doing heaps, we just want to come out. And so they have about nine different locations in the US, which I can't remember all of them, Um, just, yeah, com- completely volunteer workers. They just come, they do the lawns, they do the things, lots of things. things yeah. I, the things are back again. Here we go. This is what happens when Minnie has three hours of sleep. Everything is reduced to things. Yeah, just shorten the vocabulary. Um, but, yeah, so basically the uh, project has paired Weed Man franchises with local essential workers um, near them, providing the free service. 
And like they've also, you know, compared with like church groups and, you know, other community avenues, which I think is a really good way to do it. If someone's already got a great idea that they're doing in the community, sometimes just jump on that. Like you don't always need to start a new thing. Um, and you just have more manpower that way. Anyway, so That's they're great. saying they're showing Corona kindness. Which I like. I ah, like, there you yeah. go. That's a good. That's yeah. a good phrase. I was like, hey, I like this. We have we've had many stories this year that I could have said would be in Corona kindness. Uh-huh. I just didn't think of that. Anyway, we need to uh, we need to make that into a brand and just sort of start attaching it to all uh, all of our positively yeah. different COVID stories. Hey. Here's another Corona kindness story. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, guess you when you're saying it. <laughs> Hey, if you've got a Corona kindness kindness story, ah, <laughs> uh, yes, that you would like to share, we would love to hear about it. One eight hundred three two four eight four three, or text us on zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Share your Let Corona kind, kindness story. Absolutely. Um, okay, so in other news. So the Burmese roof turtle hatchlings are known for their permanent smiles. So basically this is a creature that when you look at them, they just look like they're smiling all the time. Um, But over the years, through hunting them for food, medical use, the pet trade, reckless egg harvesting, destruction of their natural habitat, um, it had all but wiped this creature out. So by the 90s, they thought it was extinct. They weren't sure, but they thought it was extinct. Okay. Yeah. I mean, in some ways that's only, what, like 30 years on. But – um. Yeah, basically one appeared in Hong Kong pet store like 10 years later, so 2001. There was one just popped up and they're like, oh, maybe they're alive. There must be more. Um, but found completely by accident. And then a little while later, again by accident, um, there was a biologist who was at a um, zoo. No, sorry. He was at a Buddhist temple and there was a turtle pond. Um, and he saw like all these turtles. He's like, wait a minute. This is a specific turtle which is meant to be extinct. So he got very excited. A whole pond full of extinct yeah, turtles. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> it's That's just so awesome. And then so he got um, permission from the temple board or however that works yep. to get some of these, which turned out to be amazing timing because not long after it was destroyed in some some natural thing happened, destroyed the natural habitat, something to do with damming or, you know, some some – Event to do with nature or climate, I don't know. A anyway, thing, a thing happened. A thing happened. A thing yeah. happened. A thing happened. <laughs> and so it's it's all been this like just nearly hit and miss. And anyway, so basically, um, there was ten. They knew that there was ten in the wild, and they didn't all make the trip to safety. But they were like, look, we just need enough to get this population re regrowing. Uh-huh. Um, anyway, so now years on, you know, it's like year after year, things have added a bit more, and they now think they have about a thousand which have been successfully raised, and so they're hoping very soon to re- release them back into the wild. That's amazing. But they're very cute creatures. They have this, like, yeah, it just looks like they're smiling at you all the time, and I'm like, oh, look at you. They are positively different. They are positively different all the time. Anyway, so I just thought that was very cool, and I, I really like this when, actually, is it Mark Twain who had this saying, he's like, yes, the rumours of my death were greatly exaggerated or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it kind of reminds me of that where they're like, we will not die. Like, which, anyway, so that's, that was fun for probably them. probably blissfully unaware aware that they were extinct well yes yeah, also true <laughs> um nah, that's that's amazing i love uh, stories of extinctions where animals they're kind of lazarus animals you know they come yeah. back from from being thought to be extinct you're listening to the breakfast show podcast on faith fm positively different okay i'm gonna read to you something i read last night oh okay and i want you to uh, i want you to think about this in uh yeah just just tell me whether you think this is accurately written or not the present is a time of overwhelming interest to all living. Rulers and politicians, men who occupy positions of trust and authority, thinking men and women of all classes 
have their attention fixed upon the events taking place about us. They are watching the strained, restless relations that exist among the nations. They observe the intensity that is taking possession of every earthly element. And they realize that something great and decisive is about to take place. That the world is on the verge of a stupendous crisis. What do you think? Does that, that describe where we're at? I think it, I was just going to say, when was that written? Because <laughs> I reckon okay. there's been a bit of time between now okay, and then. Okay, okay, okay. I'll give you some context to this. Mm-hmm. All right, this was written in the present tense for the future, if that makes sense. So it's, it's kind of like if, you, if you're okay. going to sit down and you're like, okay, I'm going to write something for the future, but I'm going to write it in the present tense for the future. Oh. Which is why it's written with the word, with, with the phrase, the present in a, is a time. It's it's like, so it describes the future and then it says, okay, in the future, the present is yeah, 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 okay. a time of overwhelming interest. Oh, I reckon that totally nails us right now. I read that last night. I've read it before and quite a number of it, but I read it last night and never before have mm. I felt the impact of that statement like I have right now. The strained, intense relations that exist, mm. you know, it, it, that, that, is, that, that is our world. Um, the strained, restless relations that exist. Um, That's yeah. a great way to put it, isn't it, Ashley? Yeah, the strain yeah, and restless. The strain and restless. Yeah. Our world has never been as polarised as it is uh-huh. right now. There has never been so much angst between different classes of the com- or different portions of the community mm-hmm. than what there is right now. I mean, the author here uses the word classes. We don't. That's not really a politically correct term. But the <laughs> fact that it is not a politically correct term illustrates the challenge of, you know, the strained relationships that exist. Mm -hmm, You know, mm -hmm. just talking to Angela who finished off the show yesterday and she's teaching in school and how much teaching has changed from last year to this year and how much more infinitely careful they have to be, say, about everything that they say because of the strained, restless relation. Yeah, It's just like I read this and I'm like, okay, the author of this, wrote this, based on Bible prophecy, about what it would be like just before Jesus comes back and wrote it 150 years ago. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Some would say that she was inspired. She's the author of the book that we're giving away today. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. So if you want, uh, if you want more of that, there is, uh, you need to call right in right now for uh, your copy of Great Controversy Ended. Okay, so this is um, something we hinted at a little bit earlier. Uh, I do need to talk about it. And this is a major wave of depression that is hitting aged care homes, particularly down in Victoria. And what they're predicting is that the uh, COVID deaths are going to continue long after COVID is gone. And basically, um, you know, to give it a little bit of perspective, three-quarter of all deaths, thereabouts, um, have taken place in aged care facilities. Mm. Um, the median age is about 80 for people who die with COVID. Um, and most, you know, because of that, most are dying with COVID as opposed to from COVID. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, there's a difference between the two. Um, of course, they're dying sooner with COVID. Um, I think 90 plus percent of all deaths are over 70. And so this is hitting the aged care sector really hard. And so we've put in very, very strenuous efforts to protect our elderly, and rightfully so. 
Um, these are, you know, the people who are um, vulnerable and uh, depressed and elderly people in aged care facilities. Okay, so you think about it. You've, you've got an elderly relative who is in an aged care facility. How often do you get to visit them? What if they're in another state? Mm. There are a lot of very, very lonely people and loneliness is actually lethal. Yeah. It's actually lethal. Yeah. And when people get really lonely, they, you know, the greatest thing that keeps people going is the will to live. You know, if they decide, yeah, I'm having a great life, my life is worth living, they live. When people decide, I've lived long enough, they die. Mm. And that's kind of how it goes at any age. Um, And so now you've got uh, people in aged care facilities been in confinement for uh, basically solitary confinement now for months. Um, They're not able to leave their rooms. They're not able to do leisure activities. They're not able to do exercise. Many of them have given up on walking. And once you give up on walking, you don't start again. Mm, not, yeah. when you're, not when you're elderly and you're in an aged care facility. Uh, and as a result of that, the mood is just plummeting. I mean, you think about it. You think about how you would be if you had been confined to your room <laughs> since March. I tell you. <laughs> right? Yeah, absolutely. How would absolutely. you feel? And, you know, you're the kind of person who's fit and healthy and would exercise in your room and read books and do productive things um, and talk to people on Zoom and Facebook and interact all over the place. You would have a very, very active social life even though you were in lockdown. I know how it affected my wife doing two weeks of quarantine. Mm. So I want you to think about that and then think about an aged care facility. Now, they do have medical professionals that are coming in and out during the day, for sure, okay? But they're still confined to their room. And, you know, you get people like that, once their mood goes down, that's it. Yeah. Um, they stop eating as much. They stop drinking as much. And because, of their, because they're elderly, their body doesn't absorb food as it should. And so they're already suffering with a level of malnourishment. Mm. And what is happening is that level of malnourishment, malnourishment is dipping to a point from which it cannot recover. They can linger on for a long time, and we've often seen you know, elderly folk who have lingered for a long time, but they're never going to recover from it, and they're actually dying from COVID without having any contact with COVID at all. Mm. So this is a major tragedy that's taking place, uh, particularly in Victoria, but across all of our aged care facilities where our elderly, you know, we don't have, the, we talk about, you know, singing and, you know, it's like when you go to a, uh, an aged care facility and you sing for the residents and you get, uh, you know, and they start to sing along and it just lifts their mood and, and you see the, you know, the... Even the cranky ones Even the cranky ones it. get into yeah, it yeah. and you see people, you know, tears welling up in their eyes, all that kind of stuff. And we can't do any of that. Yeah. And I think it's hard too because, like, say my grandma, she literally lives maybe like two minutes walk from where I live. Like she's yes. at an aged care home, like pretty much just right across the road. And I, I just can't go see her. Like she's just not allowed to come. No, out. that's right. To go. And that's not in Victoria. And it's hard because I can call her, but she has really poor hearing, so she can't hear me. And then she speaks really soft. So I, you know, so it, it can be frustrating in wanting to communicate as well. Whereas I think if, if I had been locked in my room, it's still easy, you know? Like I That's still right. have the technology. I yes. still have the things. And and it's technology that you use all the time. The things, <laughs> yeah. the things are back again. You've got things. Yeah. <laughs> Your grandmother doesn't have things and yeah. she doesn't know how to use things as well. Yeah. But, yeah, so I think we, we sometimes forget about just how significant 
All okay. those points of contact. The, the moral of the story is that if you've got uh, family and friends that are in aged care facilities, particularly in Victoria, you need to be keeping them in prayer and you need to be doing whatever you can to stay mm. in contact with them because, you know, they, simple, they simply give up. It's like, well, you know, I can't be in contact with my family, so why should I bother? Yeah. Write a letter. Man, everyone loves getting letters. Just something. There you go. Put in some that's time. A, that's actually a, good, a great thought right there. Write a letter. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, so joining us on the phone this morning is uh, David Haupt. David, welcome to the show. Good morning, Ryle, and good morning to your listeners. David, we uh, we have you on each week to talk about uh, issues in relationship to emotional health. This morning, uh, I wanted to ask you about something that we actually spoke about uh, a couple of weeks ago that, uh, you know, when we spoke about it, I'm like, you know what? I, I reckon David's probably got some things to, uh, some light to shed on this. Keith and Kristen Getty were running a... Um, you know, a global music uh, annual festival kind of thing, and their emphasis this time around, this year, was on singing at home and particularly looking at the emotional benefits that come from singing at home and trying to encourage people from people in singing at home. And so I wanted to ask you about this, David. Is this a thing? Is singing something that actually affects our emotional health in a very real way? Well, music in itself can affect our mood. Uh, remember the old black and white movies that uh, didn't have much you know, talking but more sound? Sound actually can uh, set the mood. Uh, just think back at your last uh, entertainment movie when the tension starts to rise. What kind of music is playing before that scene opens up that sets the mood? So also does singing. Interesting, if, as you scan the uh, research literature on mental health and singing, that uh, quite a vast uh, number of research papers have been written on this um, with a whole range of uh, positive impacts. Um, For instance, uh, some research was done with Irish singers in in Ireland, uh, people that were working in the hospital, and they found a whole range of benefits there, ranging from physical, uh, physiological, social, emotional, and even spiritual benefits for the staff that were involved in singing. So... Are we then talking about, say, let's have a staff meeting and at the beginning of the staff meeting we're going to sing a song? Is that the kind of uh, recommendation that might be coming out as a result of this? It would make a different kind of a staff meeting, wouldn't it? Maybe that is a direction that we need to go uh, because the uh, health service staff, uh, they discovered when they actually – allowed them to take part in the workplace in a choir that uh, there was a much higher positive attitude far greater mental health as well as physical health outcomes and less depression uh, it seemed as though the the singing actually caused depression to be either alleviated or completely erased with some of their staff and they were more positive in the workplace and in the work that they were doing that's absolutely phenomenal. Why is it if singing is so beneficial to us as human beings that we don't do more of it? That is, um, I guess, part of the problem that we have in terms of uh, mass media. 
we we have today far more uh, things to entertain us and uh, we basically sit back and allow others to entertain us instead of being part of that entertainment. I think back at my childhood years where as a family we would gather around the piano, my sister would play, while the entire family would gather and sing in the evenings. Uh, there was no TV. Um, radio was basically used for uh, for the news. Um, and our entertainment was really as a family together. And that not only helped us to, to sing better, but also um, it bonded us as a family. And when families bonded, oxytocin is released. And uh, the oxytocin is part of the feel-good hormones that we have in our bodies. So these days, I guess the comparison would be that when a family gets together, you've got, you know, the kids with their, uh, with their phone and their headsets in, they might be listening to some music or something or other, and the parents might be listening to something else, and we're kind of listening rather than actually participating. And there's a, to- a total disconnection uh, between the family members at the same time. Uh, we so often connect with people that are not present in the same room, although we think that we're communicating, but there's no communication taking place. And Lyle, it's also the kind of music that we're listening that is important. Okay, I, uh, okay. I uh, remember uh, doing a, a sermon one day after I was running a depression anxiety recovery program and the, the minister asked me to come and preach in his church on mental health issues. So we invited the participants of the program to come along and when the music started to play, some of those participants walked out. I followed them and I said to them, guys, what's, what's happening for you? And uh, they said to me, the moment that that music starts to play, we feel anxious. Right. Um, we, we use music in our therapy programs to actually help activate the frontal lobe of the brain. So is it possible that music actually can be part of shutting down the frontal lobe of the brain if we use uh, the wrong kind of music? Uh, research shows that it is more than melodious the uh, and, and less strange the more... Uh, gospel hymns, you know, the old church music that actually helps to open up the frontal lobe, act, reactivate the frontal lobe, and alleviates depression in people. Now, I would have imagined that the group of people that you were just mentioning a moment ago, would that not have been melodious gospel hymns that were making them anxious at the time? It was more the... Um, it, sadly, it was the more more modern um, music that nowadays is played in church and not the old hymns that were played. So we use in our depression recovery program uh, your your more instrumental music, you know, the music that's written and developed by Bach, Beethoven, Brahms, Vivaldi, Tchaikovsky, which is uh, more orchestral and you really feel as though you want to sing along and get moving. Uh, That kind of music really lifts your mood. What about cultures that have a, uh, you know, I know this is just like massive in in, uh, some Asian countries and I've never been able to get my head around it because I'm not part of that culture, but the the whole karaoke thing where the people love to just go out and sing all night, is um, is that something that's beneficial as well? I'm, uh, if you look at the faces of those people, what do you see? 
Mm. Yeah, okay. Their faces really tell you what's happening, but you'll also find that the wrong kind of music really suppresses and and pushes down the mood of people. Um, It's very interesting, uh, Lyle, that even singing has a different impact on uh, sexes. So they found that the male-female ratio of who benefits the most out of singing, uh, five to one for female versus males. Really? I, 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 was, just, I was astounded when I saw the, the, those statistics. Right. And uh, that females have a far greater emotional benefit. And uh, so they were significant higher in the female range than in the male range. And I was starting to think a a little bit about further on this, and I wondered whether it has to do with the way that male versus females bond. Okay. So right across the board, there was benefits. But the more significant benefit has been found by females. And I would suggest that singing in the way that we do it normally as a group or in a choir uh, helps the female to to bond. But we as males bond in a completely different way by doing things. Mm-hmm. But still there was a benefit in there. Yeah, absolutely. It was very interesting that people that were involved in singing um, had far more positive feeling experiences that came out. They they had a more positive mood, more happiness, more enjoyment of life and work around them. They uh, they had more hope because they looked forward to to the next time. In other words, in the midst of coronavirus pandemic, one of the greatest things that we could should be doing is actually getting together and seeing, guess what's happening? Uh, well, we, even in our churches, we're not allowed to sing, or it's discouraged to sing. Um, self-belief, in other words, the way that people thought about themselves, um, Really, uh, it, it helped to rebuild their self-esteem, their confidence, sense of so- social recognition and status was uh, elevated. And um, confidence of people were raised in, in the same process. So it is a whole range of benefits that are happening for people that are involved. And I think it's actually something we that is worthwhile clarifying Uh, at this particular time is that in New South Wales, and I'm speaking just for New South Wales, singing is recommended against, but it is not banned in churches. So some people are in churches like, well, we're not allowed to sing. The government said we're not allowed to sing. No, the government has not said you're not allowed to sing. The government has recommended that you don't sing. And so that's something that, uh, you know, churches, each individual church needs to look at and look at their vulnerable populations and decide, you know, okay, what can we do and what can't we do in a, in a safe way? Look at the space that they, that they are worshipping in and, and sort of decide whether they can, uh, whether they can safely come back and start singing again. But I think one of the yep. lessons that's coming out of this, that's coming out of very strongly to me, is that, you know, I'm just sort of sitting here thinking, okay, I go to a church where there is no singing. Uh, there is just performance. There is, you know, a pre-recorded performance that comes on for the for the various songs that are going to take place as a part of the worship service. And so, I kind of feel like I haven't sung since March. Mm. 
And I've got to tell you, whenever I go to church, I enjoy going to church, but I just feel a little bit flat. And I just, you just sort of, and I'm, I always looked at myself as the kind of person who goes to church to worship in the word. That's, that's me. You know, I don't go, I've never been the kind of person who goes to church to, uh, to worship in song. I'm the person who worships in the word, but I've really missed it. And I didn't expect how much I would miss it. And Lyle, it is very interesting that the psalmist, King David, um, used music to worship and to bring glory to God. He says in Psalm 104, verse 33 and 34, he says, I will sing out aloud to my Lord, praising his goodness. Um, we, we see that Colossians 3.16 uh, talks about singing to God uh with gratitude. In other words, the way that we bring gratitude towards God is by lifting our voice and in, in singing towards Him. Ephesians 5.19 um, talks about it. 1 Corinthians 14.26. And I recall the story of uh, from childhood, as my parents would share with me the Bible stories, of uh, King David still a shepherd boy uh, going into the throne room of uh, King Saul and uh, when he was in a foul, depressed mood and he would use music to lift the mood of King Saul. That's a, that's a biblical precedent that is definitely going a long, long way, long way back in history. And you know, when I see that example, I'm saying, okay, here you've got an example where you've got good music that drives out you know, evil spirits and I guess the warning is that you use the wrong kind of uh, music, you can uh, you can bring them back in again. But I think the moral of the story here is, David, and we do need to finish up, is that we need to spend some time in song, and if we can do so, it's going to uh, definitely lift our mood and lift our emotional health. So let's just take some time, just sing yourself a tune as you go through this day, and you'll be blessed. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.